This podcast is presented by State Farm, a proud supporter of women's soccer and all women's sports. Like a good neighbour, State Farm is there. The camera's like right in Vilda's face. He's finishing a speech and then he ends with a big like, yeah, and everybody goes, yeah, and runs around and hugs each other and then sort of like immediately and organically, like an amoeba ejecting a cancerous cell. They, they sort yeah, of. Yeah, they closed him off. And he just turned around and he just left. And it, it was, oh, it's palpable. Oh, to be a fly in the wall. <laughs> From Apple News, I'm Rebecca Lowe. And I'm Brendan Hunt. And this is After the Whistle. We are, in fact, right after the whistle of Spain, Sweden, where Spain has, as you in America say, punched their ticket incredible saying, to the final after an exhilarating finish. And we are a podcast divided as we prepare for tomorrow's epic matchup between Australia and England, where they say, massage your billet. (laughs) Reminder, there will probably be adult language. So, Brendan, we have a finalist. Yeah, we really do. Tonight, we had Spain-Sweden, a much-heralded match, a clash of styles. For a while, it was not really paying off as the clash of the titans that we were hoping for, and then at the end, it exploded into life, and we were rewarded for our patience. You just gotta love this game. Like you said, you're thinking it's 100% go to extra time and penalties this match, without a doubt, and then three goals in eight minutes. But I kept throughout the game, I don't know about you, Brendan, flitting between who I thought was going to win. The first half, I thought Spain played much better, obviously had all the possession. But then Sweden's last few minutes of that first half, when I think it was Rolfo had a chance on 42 and I thought, oh, sweet. Yeah, it was a great chance. And Sweden, so disciplined in the fact that they're so comfortable with giving away possession to Spain. They're so fine to let Spain have the ball. But then when they did get the ball back with that kind of angry press of theirs, they then didn't really do anything with it. So by half time, I was thinking, you know what? Football being what it is, Spain are the better team, but Sweden will find a way to win. Mm. And that's why I'm not a pundit. But it especially felt that way then once the second half started, because that first 10 minutes was all Sweden. Yeah. Like the first 10 minutes was maybe the only 10 minute stretch of the game, which had to be like 75% possession for Sweden. And it was all in Spain's final third. So yeah, that first 10 minutes of the second half, you know, Sweden just, just marauding quite a few shots in there. Pateas comes off for Spain, which was not wildly unexpected. She has yet to play a chunk of time, but to a degree it felt like, okay, well, you know, Something's working, even just as a symbolic gesture of Piteas coming off. So Piteas comes off. Salma Pariuelo comes on, uh, the hero of the quarterfinal against Holland. And suddenly Spain is oh. dominant again. It was an immediate She's a joke. reclaiming of momentum and alacrity. There's no stat for alacrity, Rebecca, <laughs> but you know it when you see it. <laughs> you do. And you know when you see a player like, I'm just going to call her Salma, because I haven't got the linguistic aptitude that you have. Salma, when she came on, you just kind of knew it was going to happen for her. She looked different. She looked head and shoulders above everybody else, even just for that 20 minutes. And she oozes class. She has stature. She's 19 blooming years old. And yet she oozes all of this confidence and swagger and skill and tenacity and everything. And so 
she came on. Did she come on after Redondo had that chance when she was on the floor? No, no she was before. part of that chance, wasn't she? Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah. She found Redondo. Some, I mean, again, somehow fed her the ball. And then you're like, oh, Redondo. So <laughs> blooming close. <laughs> that would have been, I mean, it would not have gone down as a great goal, but it would have gone down as an unforgettable goal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Scoring on the floor. from your bum, just a few <laughs> feet away from the goal line. We never would have forgot it. So then by the 75th minute, then the thoughts start coming fast and furious. First of all, Sweden's hot start in the second half, completely gone. I also noted here, you know whose name we have not said, I think, once this whole tournament. And if we've said it once, we should have said it twice. But uh, Bonmati. Love her. Bonmati, I mean, coming in, you know, much heralded. It's not like she's some new revelation here. She's one of the best players in the world. But she is just outstanding every time mm. she's on. Mm-hmm. I was watching, for the first time, I think, watching from where I'm staying. And so I was watching on Aussie TV. And they mentioned at one point, you know, she's from Barcelona. She came up watching Xavi and Iniesta, and she's very much in that vein. You know, she's got that do-anything quality, but, like, mainly being a metronome. Like, she sets the tempo, and she's absolutely fearless. And, you know, the unmeasurable alacrity, Rebecca. The unmeasurable alacrity. So then... Once again. Then Sweden makes changes, which would also turn out to be portentous. And then... In the 80th minute, Rebecca, I wrote, Spain feeling inevitable. And in the 81st minute, <laughs> I wrote, Spain scores. <laughs> and uh, and that was our gal, Parayuelo. You know, not as outstanding a goal as she had against Holland, but still a timely goal, a brave goal. Yeah. And may I say, it's pretty great. Spain is not known to be the most diverse country. And then in Spanish football this last year, there's massive racism rows, and not for the first time ever. Yeah. And I think it's pretty great that their hero these last two matches is a woman of color. Yeah, no, I second that. There's already so much great stuff about this Spanish women's team doing so well in this country, but that is a underheralded element of it. Yeah, that is a great shout because over the years, so many things that I've had to report on in the world of football with regards to racism have come from that neck of the woods. So yeah, that is a great shout. Then, of course, as they say, the most dangerous time for a team is when they've just scored. <laughs> and lo and behold, <laughs> that's what happened. Blomqvist! <laughs> the, second, the second straight goal from a substitute. A great finish. Yeah. With a ball rising toward her, getting the body shape right, sending it into the, the side netting. And now it feels like, okay, hold on. The unflappable Sweden that we've come to expect has not gone away, and it is game on. And then you want to talk about a goal being scored after a goal. <laughs> Buckle up. In comes Olga. In comes Olga Carmona. Goal of the tournament? Well, here's what's interesting. I'm watching it on British television because I'm in England. And Sue Smith, former lioness, not a goalkeeper, she's a winger. And the commentator both felt the goalkeeper should have done better, which I thought was a little bit harsh. I mean, I thought it was a great goal. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, she got a hand on it, didn't she? She did. And long gone are the days where it's, oh, they got a hand on it, therefore they should have saved it. Long gone are those days. So I was surprised that they both felt that way. I'm not sure the keeper could have done anything about it. No, I don't think so either. Then again, I didn't play professional football. So there's that. She was caught flat-footed. 
She reacted late, but she just may have been screened, you know? Like, it was... Yeah. There were a lot of bodies in the box at that point. I'd have to see it again. I mean, I feel like it's difficult to criticize Musevich. I mean, she... You know, I mean, you probably would like to, after what happened against the USA. <laughs> but it's very difficult. She's had such an amazing tournament. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I would rather not criticize her for that, to be fair. Yeah, same. By the way, I've neglected to mention that after Blomqvist scored the goal, they showed the Swedish coach on the bench, and he looked fucking stunned. <laughs> he looked as shocked <laughs> as anyone to be back into it. And of course, his shock was brief. And then after seven minutes of extra time, they hold on. Yeah, I had the thought at this point that if the DJ at that stadium has any guts, they'll play Winner Takes It All by ABBA. I'm not sure they eventually got around to that. That would have been pretty badass. Oh, that would have been, yeah. Yeah. But did you know, right? Spain are the under 17 world champions. They're the under 20 world champions. And they could now be the world champions as well. If that happens at the weekend, that's the first time in women's football that's ever happened. It's actually only ever happened before, I think, Brazil in the early 2000s in the men's game with the 17s, the 20s and the senior world champions. So it's incredible because this is only, I'm fairly certain in saying, their third World Cup. Spain were in the 2015 World Cup and went out in the group stage. 2019 was a little bit better. And now to reach the final without, as we've spoken about, Brendan, a bunch of the best players in the world not even being there. I would say I don't think any other team at this World Cup could have lost as many of the best players that Spain have lost and reached the final. I know England have lost big players. I know USA lost big players, but I think these are bigger. The players that Spain don't have, I think what they have managed, add into the fact that what we talked about in the last episode, that you were struggling a little bit with how to celebrate the Spain team because of everything that's happened with Vilda, their coach. This team is complex going into this World Cup. It's emotional. It's got layers of different feelings going on. Putting all that to one side, they've reached the blooming final. Yeah. Well played. And, you know, there's less static coming from the players now about the coach, which I think is just because, like, the World Cup's on, let's sort of focus. But you end up looking for for little signs, yes. little bits yes. of body language. Yes. And I'm watching Spain's celebration like a hawk after this game. Oh, me too. Me too. What did you think? Well, at first, we don't see the manager, Jorge Vilda, at all. And then they go to commercial, and they come back, and there's a huddle on the pitch, and the camera's, like, right in Vilda's face, you know? And it's like he's finishing a speech, he's smiling, he's got his arms on players on either side of him, or or actually on other coaches. And then he ends with a big, like, yeah! And everybody goes, yeah! And runs around <laughs> and hugs each other, and then sort of, like, immediately and organically, like an amoeba ejecting a cancerous cell, they, they sort yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. They closed him off. Close him off. They sort of, you know, like, like just exclude him without <coughs> trying to exclude him. Like, they, you know, they waited a second for like, he waited, he waited for someone to like high five him and then it was not happening. And he just turned around and he just left. And it, it was, <laughs> oh, it's palpable. Oh, to be a fly in the wall. <laughs> ah. If they won the World Cup, you know, this has never happened before. I mean, I can't say that because I suppose I haven't been in every dressing room, but so publicly, I don't remember a storyline like this where the team and the manager have been so at odds with each other. Federation and team, yeah. But manager and team, so at odds and yet so successful. It will be very bizarre. And I just can't help but think about the women still back home. Because if Spain go and win this World Cup, those women who decided to stick to those principles and not join them, yikes. That will take some getting over. I mean, if that was me, I'm sorry. I'm not sure I could be happy. I don't know if I could be happy. I'm not sure I'm a good enough person, Brendan, to be a happy <laughs> Spanish player. I think I'd be Devo. 
I'm sure you would do the right thing. But a, a coach's contrast, this is just coming through, but uh, Sweden coach Peter Gerhardsen, his speech to uh, his players came out afterwards, and I just want to read it directly. He apparently told them, I don't want to talk. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. Things no, we've gone didn't. through. No, Though it's hurting me. <laughs> now it's history. <laughs> I've played all my cards. <laughs> and that's what you've done to... <laughs> That's nice. That's nice, friend. Good, but when he said it, it was more like nerding murder <laughs> No murders to play. Sweden, I've gone easy on you. I've gone easy on you until now. Try to be respectful. Yeah. And if you're in London, go see Abba Voyage. Worth it. Worth the schlep. Um, all right. Well, congratulations, Spain. Farewell, Sweden. And by farewell, I mean see you in Brizzy for the uh, third place match. Everyone loves a third place match. <laughs> Most of all, you. <laughs> This podcast is presented by State Farm, which believes in amplifying the voices and profiles of women athletes. By ensuring coverage for female athletes today, State Farm helps set the stage for women's sports tomorrow. Like a good neighbour, State Farm is there. All right, Rebecca, one semi down, one semi to go, and it is favourites, England, against home team juggernauts australia we talked yesterday about how this is more than just a match it is a historical sporting rivalry finding new form rebecca of course you'll be feeling this in your blood and in your cells even more than i who get to go to the game but haven't lived it all my life the way you have how you feeling well number one i'm not sure if i'm jealous of you or not because you know when it gets to this point in football you just start to feel a bit sick. And sometimes going to the game actually makes life worse unless you win. And obviously there's no guarantee of that. So sometimes you just want to bow out from that option. And I'm lucky actually that I don't have that option. I'm feeling nervous. Now that the first semi's out the way, I'm forcing myself to concentrate on this game tomorrow. But again, and I brought my dad up, I think in the preview episode, our very first episode about his change in stance towards women's football over the years since I started getting into it nearly 20 years ago and nobody else cared in England. And then since Euro 2022 last year, my dad's a big fan. And I've got a couple of days off in England. Um, I've just finished the Premier League weekend. And before I go back to America to do the second Premier League weekend, and I thought I'll have a bit of dad-daughter time because I haven't seen him for a long time. And I said to him, these are our plans over the next couple of days. His reply was, that all sounds great. Just checking. We will be watching in brackets hopefully, question mark, the lionesses, won't we? Well, number one, yes, because I literally have a podcast about it. And number two, yes, dad, this text message I love. I love that he wrote that. So I am actually really excited to have my dad tomorrow by my side, hold my blooming hand to watch those lionesses. And it is going to be... Oh, and, and it's interesting about the rivalry, Brendan, because I just heard an interview before we started recording today with Serena Wiegmann. She's not buying into it at all, the rivalry. She said, I've spoken to the girls, I've spoken to the players. They're not buying into it either because, now, she, of course, this could be a whole load of tosh, but she's saying that the atmosphere in the camp is, well, what rivalry? Like, we're not cricketers, we're not rugby players, we don't play nipple. So what what rival? We've, we've barely ever played them at football and the same in the men's side. So they're trying to play down the rivalry. I don't think anyone else is though. 
Yeah, you can pretend that, but then you're going to walk into the stadium of the uh, 75,000 people who do care about the rivalry, who will be fueled by this rivalry. And like maybe a degree of mental compartmentalization will help England out, but at the very least, you have to acknowledge that rivalry to prepare for what you're going to get. I mean, here's one thing about this tournament so far. Because of... New Zealand not getting very far, and because, you know, the best-supported team, the U.S., apparently didn't make it very far. I can't remember. I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> the the atmosphere in the grounds has not exactly been electric. No. You know? No. Like, people don't quite know what songs to sing. And uh, Oh, and, and apparently it was 11 minutes into the semifinal, and we were already on Mexican wave number two. That's Brendan. all we can do. All people can do is a wave. And... You know, the fan groups are like, you know, they're not clustered behind a goal in the way that, you know, a set of ultras can be. So it's very hard to get atmosphere going properly. So I don't think England have been really subjected to a home field advantage the way they're going to come tomorrow night. It's going to be massive. I think that's a great point. And Serena Wiegmann was asked a bit about that. She said, well, you know, when we played Columbia, it was very hostile and there wasn't really much support for us in the stadium. Yeah, but a hostile atmosphere is different from a home atmosphere, which is also hostile. Yeah. This is going to be a cauldron tomorrow that you're going to walk into, an Australian cauldron. And that makes me nervous. Having said that, I still root for my girls because I do believe that their mentality is incredibly strong. They've had to come through some scrapes. We've had red cards. We've had big injuries. We've had to come from behind. We've had penalty shootouts. They've passed every single test put in front of them. Actually, they've passed every single test Serena Wiegmann has put in front of her too. Yeah, they lost to Australia in a friendly couple months ago. Who cares? It's friendly. Okay, that's probably going to come back to bite me tomorrow. But, you know, <laughs> On the whole, she's passed every test. It might go the whole way. It might go... Oh, God, please let it not go to penalties. But it might. It might. The power of a home stadium is something England already knows because they won the Euros in their home stadium. Yeah. Narrowly pipping Germany in extra time. And, you know, you got to think to some degree in a game that close... Home field tips the scales ever so slightly. Are you going for Australia? Do you? Th I know you would like them to win just because, well, I don't know if you'd like. Do you, Who do you want to win, Brenton? Why, do, why don't I ask you rather than try to answer my own question? I'm glad you asked, Rebecca. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you about my affection for the nation of Australia. And Australia, I'm sorry I haven't brought it up until this point, but let's get right through it. First of all... <laughs> When I was a wee lad, me and my sister were sent to live with my grandmother for a while, and um, my grandmother's youngest daughter, my aunt, was my cool aunt, and she worked at a radio station, and she bought me and my sister records. And so the very first album I ever owned, Business as Usual by Men at Work, which I still think is one of the great art pieces of the late 20th century. Move on forward a few years, and uh, like I don't see my dad that much. But when I do, he takes us to movies. And you know what movie me and my dad laughed at the most in this strange period? Crocodile motherfucking Dundee. That's oh, for damn amazing. sure. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The chasm of our relationship just absolutely bridged by Paul Hogan. We're going to jump a couple of decades. I moved to Amsterdam, and my first girlfriend in Amsterdam, Australian. My second girlfriend in Amsterdam. Australian. Crikey, how many girlfriends did you have in Amsterdam? I was there for five years. It was, it was quite a while. <laughs> but I had very few like relationship relationships and two back-to-back -back Australian girlfriends. Um, I am on one album out in the world. It is like B-Sides and Demo Tracks album. And that is from an Australian band called Cat Empire, who I met in Edinburgh back in 2000. 
and One, who remain one of the best bands I've ever seen live. I think they're still kicking in Melbourne today. God bless the Cat Empire. Australia, I fucking dig you. I have for a very goddamn long time. I cherish these days that I get to spend here uh, with my family, and I cherish having that fucking Harbor Bridge outside my window. We changed our plans to make sure that we were at this semifinal, not even knowing for sure if Australia was going to be there yet, but just on the hint of a hope that Australia might be there, I will be cheering lustily for Australia tomorrow. I'm pulling for them hard. You know, if they lose, hey, England in the final. I, I like England. We all know that. We talked about that. Some people know that I used to live there. But Australia, tomorrow, advance Australia fair. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm a little bit upset about that. I mean, that's, that's like, that's like a lot of love against England. And I know you love England, but okay. Hey, but right. also, if this tournament was in England... And I was going to Wembley tomorrow. Well, then the the, the tables will be turned. Oh, you know? I can't wait for that. I want to hear. I want to hear Brendan's love letter to England one day. I will not ask for your forgiveness because I've done nothing that is to be offended by, and I hope you'll understand. On or off the pitch, women athletes deserve to be recognized for being awesome competitors and for being inspiring role models for generations to come. That's why State Farm is proud to present this podcast. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Brendan, just before we go, of course, it is time for a bit or a bob. What have you got, a bit or a bob? I got a combo platter bit and bob. I Mm -hmm. want to read an Instagram post from at MF Witches. And I find it a very compelling post. And it's because just to contextualize it, you know, as a fellow who is not a woman, seeing the rise of women's sports, you sort of see it in the macro, the like numbers and statistics and people paying attention and everything. But this post really sort of personalizes what this progress has been. And I thought it was really interesting. I'm not just going to read sort of uh, parts of it, but let me tell you a story about being a sporty woman in Australia today and why it's relevant to the Matildas win. The story started when I was two years old and my grandpa registered my younger brother for membership of a football club after his birth, but didn't do this for me or my older sister when we were born. It continued when I was seven and my other grandparents won a big trailer raffle and saved the new basketball in it to give to my younger brother in front of my older sister and I, as he was their oldest grandson. It continued when I was 12, and the school banned all girls from playing footy on the Oval at lunchtime because sometimes when we kicked the ball, our knickers showed, and we weren't allowed to wear shorts. It continued when I was in year 12 and won the open cross-country run event at school, yet that night my father asked my younger brother how he performed in the run. He came in seventh or something, and my father didn't ask me how I went until my mother made him. My father was a kind, decent man who never deliberately hurt me, but was also very much a product of his time. It continued when my son played under 10's Aussie rules, and I ran water for the team the entire year. But when it came for end-of-year photos, the team coach wouldn't allow the women team helpers in the photo. But my boy's father, who was the team runner, and all the other men helpers were in the pick. At MF Witches. The casual microaggressions surrounding the whole thing just really kind of hit home for me and just made this even, even more real and something to be appreciated. I think that's a fascinating post. And I think what's interesting is I wonder when she realized all that, because I think one of the things that as a woman of 42 years of age, I don't think 
my generation realize any of that was happening at the time. Of course, yeah. Now I, I could probably do a very similar post of things that if I really scanned my brain back and picked out so many, actually, I'm not, I can, things are coming to my brain already. And again, it's not a slight on the, on the dads and the men of the time because they were and are products of their time. And I think that is important to say because we're not on a tirade against men. But we're on a, a mission to ensure that our children, your Sean, my Teddy, aren't the ones who are put in front of girls and women when they've done the same thing. And that's just the bottom line. You know what? I'm going to read the end of the post. Yeah. Here we go. So the victory feels like a victory for all women and an even bigger victory for the little girls who will suffer a little less in future because those incredible women, meaning the Matildas, have eased the path for those coming after them. There are literally no words for how wonderful they are, for what we owe them, and for how much we wish them well for whatever comes next. Forever and ever, let's play like girls. Ugh. Lovely. I love it. I mean, I just don't think I could have thought of a better way to end the pod. I mean, that's given me the chills, and that means a great deal. Thank you for reading it. You're welcome. I did want to also add, though, um, the judges will decide. The likes of me abide. <laughs> Spectators of the show. Always staying low. <laughs> the game is on again! Ah, I love it. Oh, friend! <laughs> <laughs> eh, you know where it goes from there. Oh, you know. God. Imagine if Sweden had got to the final. So much more fun. Oh, God. Yeah, just a reminder that later this week, we're going to have a, a good old-fashioned mailbag, that trusty installment of any proper temporary podcast. So please, if you have any question at all about, you know, why Rebecca doesn't know every song on Business as Usual, <laughs> like the back of her hand, as, of course, anyone who loves music should, or how Australia is going, or like, you know, how uh, Rebecca's going to be watching the game, and if she's going to make sure her neighbors from down the street do not interrupt it would be harder for them to interrupt, right? It'd be like three in the morning <gasps> or something, right? No, yes, yes. Well, I mean, I'm watching the game in England from a hotel room, but yes, wow. I can't believe you remember my neighbours from after the whistle season one. Christine and Jared from up the hill. Amazing. Of course I remember that. I remember them like I remember Lenny and Squiggy or uh, <laughs> or Aaron Burr and James Madison. You know, just any, any unwanted interlopers <laughs> who, are, who are uniquely American. God bless Christine and Jeff. Um, anyway, uh, any questions you might have, you send them our way. We will answer the best and best spelled ones. And uh, where would they send those questions, Rebecca? Okay, so you can just record your question if you want, because we would love to hear your actual voices. Simply record your question via voice memo on your phone and email it to get a pen atw at apple.com that is atw at apple.com be sure to tell us your name where you're from and try to keep your questions to about 30 seconds or less we will select a few and answer them this blooming week that has been semi-final number one. Tomorrow we'll talk about semi-final number two. But be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, where you can also rate and review us. It really helps people find the show. And for round the clock tournament news, scores and standings, you know it. Check out my sports on the Apple News app, where available. Okay, so you might be familiar with uh, Who Can It Be Now? Or uh, Down Under, which is essentially the Australian national anthem. I mean, they literally played Down Under after Australia won. Oh, yeah, I know Down Under. I know Down Under. That's meant to work. Okay. Oh, bless them at work. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know who they are, and it's, it's upsetting. <laughs> it's a problem. Literally never heard of them. 